You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and it's been a week or so, but back with me today is my co-host Curtis. I'm excited to welcome him back into the show today. And I know I told you guys on our first episode this week that today we were going to take a way too early look at the 2022 season, but as I'm sure all of you know by now, we've had some more player announcements come out between now and that last episode. And of course, Right on cue, our DMs and inbox have filled up with questions about those announcements. So what we're going to do is we're going to move the way too early 2022 conversation to next week. I don't have many good things to say about the offseason. If you listen to this show, you know that, especially if you've been with us for a while. I get like I would term it seasonal affective disorder, like my version of seasonal affective disorder and it lasts about six months from like the last game of the season to, I would say for me, the summer. Because that's where I can kind of start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, the countdown to the season starts. And like I start getting the positive vibes flowing again. I get a little extra hop in my step and football season's right around the corner. So it's about six months for me. So I don't love the offseason. I mean, I, I, I do. I really enjoy college basketball. I love college basketball. So I get a little brief reprieve there, and I love college tennis. I absolutely do, but I don't really have like that Saturday feeling when it's not college football season. It's just different. College basketball, great. College tennis, awesome. College baseball, I like that too, but it's just not college football. So no, I do not like the offseason. It's not for me. But I guess if there's like one decent thing about the offseason, at least in terms of running this podcast, it's that we have more flexibility in what we can talk about and when we talk about it. We don't have that hard, strict schedule of, okay, game recap episode, mailbag episode, preview episode, and then, of course, wrap it up with our picks of the week. We don't have to follow that like hardcore, strict schedule. We have a little bit more flexibility. We get to talk about some other sports that don't get as much attention. We get to talk about some scheme stuff. We get to talk about some mailbag stuff, whatever you guys want us to talk about. We get to do a lot of different things, which is kind of cool. It's nice to switch it up a little bit. 
And that early look at the 2022 team, that's one of those things that we can talk about this week or next week or next month or whenever. So instead of that today, we're going to run a mailbag episode so that we can get to some of your more topical questions, more like immediately pressing questions that might need to be discussed in a little bit more of a timely fashion. So Curtis... Let's go ahead, man, and let's dive right into these mailbag questions. I know that I touched on Jermaine Burton some last week when the news first came down, but Curtis, you haven't had a chance to get your say in. Plus, like we do actually have more information than we had last week when it was breaking news. We knew that Burton was going to transfer. We didn't know exactly where. Now, I expected it to be Alabama. That was my fear, and that was my expectation, and indeed, Jermaine Burton is now officially transferring to Alabama, so we now have that angle to discuss as well. So let's start off with our good friend Josh, who is always in my book a Georgia Bulldog, but now he's officially on his way to being an alumnus of the University of Georgia. So again, big shout out to Josh. Congratulations, buddy. But Josh has a good question, man. He he wasn't alone here. We've got a lot of questions along these same lines, Uh, but we're going to go with Josh here. And Josh says, Tyler, I'm freaking out. Why is Jermaine Burton leaving? We are already in the midst of a mass exodus. So Curtis, as far as you're concerned, man, like what is the deal here? Why is Jermaine Burton making the decision to leave Georgia, hit the transfer portal, and now obviously end up at Alabama? I think there's a couple reasons. First and foremost, you know, I've kind of mentioned realistically it sounds bad, but right now, especially with the idea that Stetson Bennett is coming back, you don't have the idea that we're going to be a pass-happy offense. Um in the vein of, you know, where he's going to Alabama, where there's a better chance. I mean, they've had, they have multiple thousand yard receivers in seasons where we haven't had one. We've had one in our entire history. So it's not like we have shown that we can do it at the level they can, especially bringing Stetson back. Who's not known for, you know, putting up the big numbers every game, you know, he had a good um, bowl um, playoffs and everything, putting up some decent numbers. But the fact is we haven't shown, especially him where, I mean, for the most part in the regular season, we mentioned he you know, wasn't throwing it 30 times. Um, a lot of the times you think back to the big games we won, it wasn't because our offense was out there just, you know, throwing the ball all over the field and whatnot. So I get it from that perspective as, you know, he's not probably going to get the targets he wanted. But then you also have to look at him as a person. Um, I think that's one thing that a lot of people aren't looking at because it sounds like bad, you know, app sour grapes or whatever, however you want to say it. But the fact is, like, this is a kid who has a history of leaving. Um, you look at his high school history, played for multiple high schools in different states, and then look at him, um, his college choices. I mean, he bounced around before he finally settled on Georgia. I believe he committed to at least two different schools. Um, so it's realistically, it's not someone who has shown the where he's going to stay put for a long period of time or he, his decision-making isn't something that's always set in stone as much as um, it's you know, kind of how the wind is blowing at that one moment. Yeah, so that, that's a lot to digest. Um, and I appreciate you bringing up the transfer stuff in high school because that is true. Um, he transferred, I believe, if I have it correct, four times while he was in high school. So and, and one of the reasons we were able to land him is that he had Georgia roots, but when he – was actually graduating. He was actually out in California. So he had moved around a lot. And, there, and look, I I usually, Curtis, I hesitate to start getting the character stuff. Because the fact no, is I'm, I and I'm not saying kids. character. I'm not saying it's Oh, yeah, yeah, character. yeah. But there's a, there's a habit but of leaving, at the, least. There's a history of not staying put, which at times, and, I'm, and not even character-related, it's just the fact of, like, 
if you're moving around a lot more, you become accustomed to it's not a big deal to leave. I mean, you got to think of some guys grow up like the program they're in is a program they've known their entire life. Like they're not used to starting new and things like that, where you're not, it's not out of your comfort zone to be like, Hey, I can go to a different school and start fresh. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It, it just becomes maybe it's, it's a, I don't want to say a habit, but the first, after the first time you do it, the second time you do it, it just becomes easier if you don't get that instant gratification. And I don't, yeah, I don't, like, I'm, if, not, like, I'm not saying that he has a bad character character or, you know, that he has unreal expectations and, and that's not even getting into it. It's just the fact of it's like you said, it's easier to go start somewhere than it is to, you ha you have already done it before. So it sometimes right. can become an easier thing to do. Yeah. And to give you the numbers, he was committed. I guess he ultimately committed to three different schools. Initially was committed to Miami, decommitted from Miami. That was early on in his high school career. Then he committed to LSU, decommitted from LSU. And um, then he commits to Georgia. Now he's decommitted from Georgia. I mean, because a transfer is essentially a decommitment, right, Curtis? I mean, you just happen to be on the roster. I mean, it's a decommitment. More or less, especially yeah. in nowadays. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's like, it's, just, it's the equivalent of a decommitment. And so now he's going to Alabama after transferring four times in high school. Look, there could be family things where you, that could account for him having to transfer in high school. That happens. It is not unprecedented. It's not like he's the first guy. Well, and that's what I'm saying. It's not like he school. made the choice. To, like, it was all character-related. Like, he was forced out. But the fact is, like you mentioned, it just becomes easier to do yeah. it. It's, it's, it's a, it becomes a trend. It's a trend. I mean, it, it's a trend that you can't completely ignore here. Um, and look, the transfer portal is so full of guys that they don't have all they don't all have spots to go. So Burton's not the only guy to do this. But you're right. We're talking about him in an isolated case. He did. He does have that in his background. There, that there's certainly that. And I I don't like to draw like conclusions like society wide conclusions because I'm not really qualified to do that. But I, I think yeah. just in my basic observations, you can see out there we've it, look, people have always been out for instant gratification. That's nothing necessarily new, but maybe it's become more widespread you know, in our modern society. And I think that's kind of filtered down to youth culture. Uh, I work with young people for a living and I, I see it a lot. So I, I think there's maybe an element of that. I mean, he's been, he's had success. I mean, this guy came in and I, I don't even, honestly, he kind of had instant gratification. Curtis, he was a starter out of the gate as a true freshman. He started. Now, he did not get the touches he wanted as a true freshman, 27 catches, 404 yards. But the fact is, he was a starter right out of the gate. This year, he had battled some injuries early in the year, 26 catches, 497 yards. He average, actually averaged close to 20 yards per catch. He hit some explosive plays for us, which is what we do offensively. You know, we pound the ball, get play action shots on the field, and he's been the beneficiary of that. He had, obviously, that game with Mississippi State last year where, I guess, what, two years ago now, where he um, almost set the single game record. Like he was on track to do that, and then um, we had to fight to win there at the end. But he had a huge game there with JT. But I think it comes down to just wanting opportunities. I think he wants touches. I think he sees himself as an NFL receiver. And I think the calculus that he did on his own and with his people is that staying at Georgia, in his mind, is not the best option for him to ultimately achieve that goal of being an NFL wide receiver. And, and I think he could, he could still be here at Georgia and get drafted in the NFL. We have had guys even with this very similar style offense that have been drafted in the NFL. Miko Harbin, we've been watching him in the, in the NFL playoffs. He's starting now as the third wide receiver for the Chiefs. So there are guys that have made the league as a wide receiver from Georgia and got drafted. I think he has his eyes set on me like a, a first or second round pick. I think he sees himself that way. Yeah, and like getting Paul Jamison Williams. Yeah, exactly. Like you, he, you can look at Alabama and say, okay, well, let's look at the lineage here. You got Amari Cooper. You've got 
um, Jerry Judy, you've got Henry Ruggs. I mean, we're talking about recent history. You've got Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. You've got Calvin Ridley. You, you've got all these guys in like recent history with Alabama who have put up massive numbers. One of them won the freaking Heisman Trophy as a wide receiver. And you're sitting here in Georgia, like, yeah, I can get drafted, but like, where am I going to get drafted? Am I getting opportunities to really show what I can do and showcase my abilities? 27 catches, 26 catches, under 500 yards in the first two years. Um, that's, that's, I, I, I get where he's coming from there. I understand that. And I think that ultimately, yeah, I mean, I, it, especially this. like, I mean, well, and let's be honest, if I'm comparing the two quarterbacks, especially if like when you ultimately choose Alabama, Hmm. Stetson Bennett or Bryce Young. Yeah. That's an easy choice of who I trust to get me the ball. Right. And, and so that was my next question here. So you kind of, you were touching on this. Do you think it's a coincidence that he makes his announcement like immediately on the heels of Stetson Bennett making his announcement that he is staying this year? No, not at all. I believe a hundred percent, you know, there was um, rumors that he wasn't happy already in the season that JT was not getting the job back. Well, I can verify that he was not happy. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, yeah, like you said on the rumor, like Stetson, it all happens in the same day. And I know people are like, yay, Stetson's coming back. I'm like, there are bigger ramifications for that. Yeah, there are. I, I think that's, I think Stetson coming back, I think that kind of was the nail, the final nail in the coffin. Maybe he would have gone anyway. I don't know. But I think with J, if JT had stayed and Stetson would have left, then there's a better chance that he would have stayed because I think in his mind, JT gives a better option to open, open the offense. You saw what happened with our offense at the end of the 2020 season. His numbers went up, our offensive numbers went up. I think that's what he was hoping for. It ultimately, did not happen. Therefore, He's going to go out and transfer somewhere where he feels like he can get more looks, more opportunities, and, and play a more high-profile, off, high-powered offense where he's going to be able to put more stuff on tape for the NFL and kind of pad his resume. And, you know, it makes sense. I get that. But, yeah, I don't think this is coincidental. I, I, I think you have to be foolish to sit here and think, yeah, he, he waits a couple weeks and announces his decision to transfer literally right after, like hours after Stetson Ben announces that he's coming back next year. That just – Cannot be coincidental. I, I'm just, I'm just not going to buy that there. So, there's the first question. Um, let's go to the next one. This again related to Burton, a little bit of a different angle. So now again, we know that he's transferring to Alabama. So Luke asks, how much does it hurt to lose Jermaine Burton, especially to Alabama? And then second part of the question, how should Georgia fans feel about it? Two different parts. Okay, let's um, start with the first one. How much does it hurt to lose Burton, especially to a team like Alabama? I think it hurts because I mean he he's. I will say this. I think that as the season went on, A.D. Mitchell became more of a better target for us, someone we were targeting more. Um, So, I mean, it hurts. I don't think he was the best receiver, actually, in my opinion. But the fact is, when you have more weapons, it allows you not to be single coverage or people can't focus on just one guy, which is a huge thing that helps you. Um, And then – so it hurts you in that aspect. Um, and then second off, it, you never want to help your rival get better. Now, I don't even know realistically, like he's not Jamison Williams, like or in my opinion, where he's stepping out there and he's going to be the, their best guy, especially like they had a lot of young receivers this past year. So those guys are going to be getting even better. Um, so, I mean, but the fact is you just gave them another talented receiver to help their team. So no matter what, it, it helps them and it hurts us. It's just the fact there's no other way to spin it. Um, right. And then was it my feelings for him or how should, how should Georgia fans feel about it? And I don't like to speak for all Georgia fans, but I mean, I guess, how do you view it? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it. 
Um, you know, people are, we've gotten people from Alabama before. Uh, I really only Maurice Smith when you get down to it. Yeah, um, but the fact is, it is hard to support it, especially, um, but I get it. Like I said, I mean, I've said for a while, if I'm a receiver, realistically, I wouldn't want to play with the offense that we have to, that we've built with Stetson Bennett. Um, and like I said, it is a no brainer to choose between Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young. So I understand it in all those aspects, but it doesn't mean I have to like it. Um, I think that's where I'm especially at. And I, I think it's a little hypocritical of Coach Saban. You know, most people haven't talked about this, but I think it was just in like 2020, he was quoted saying like he doesn't recruit kids that go to multiple high schools and things like that, making a big stink of like how he only recruits high character guys. And then he's going to go out and literally recruit someone who did that in high school who he already said he wouldn't recruit and now taking him from another school. So he's shown that he's leaving and doing all these things with Nick Saban, you know, holier than art thou was being quoted and talking about that. And now he's literally go- doing the exact thing he said he wouldn't do. But Curtis, it's evolution. It's not hypocrisy when it's Saban. It's just evolution. Yeah, I know. And I, and that's the thing, like he gets a pass for changing his thing. Um, you know, he was praised as saying that of like, oh, see, they only recruit high character guys. But then when he does it now, it's like, oh, you know, hey, it's part of the game now. Like, no, it's always been part of the game. You just try to put on this persona. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. Um, look, man, I, I got a couple of thoughts on this. How much does it hurt to lose your main burden? I think I said this last week, but I'll say it again. Sorry if I'm repeating myself, but. To me, you're, you're exactly right, Curtis. We Our roster is not better without Jermaine Burton. Clearly, I would prefer Jermaine Burton to still be on our roster. Losing him does not help us in any way, shape, or form. It just doesn't. You're exactly right about that. Him going to Alabama doesn't help us, and it doesn't hurt them. If anything, it helps them. Yeah. But saying that, I don't think it's a death blow, right? Is that fair? I mean, this is not like a, a blow we can't recover from. You know, well, it's I mean, not a death blow yet, but the fact is, if you know, one, I think it was Josh earlier was talking about, you know, the max exodus. Yeah. It could become the normal. The fact is, especially the way our offense is, like, think about this spring practice. If we don't show, even if Stetson is the guy that we're going to pass anymore, why are receivers going to stay around? Um, we're lucky Karras came back, but I don't know if it was he couldn't go anywhere else or he just wanted to try to finish it out. But the fact is – it's not a death blow, but it could become if it starts becoming the more norm, especially with people not happy with our quarterback. Yes, I, I think if, if our offense stays stagnant and we keep doing the, doing the same thing, we're going to continue to suffer when it comes to recruiting wide receivers and retaining wide receivers that we do land. I do think that's true. But like Jermaine Burton himself, like the loss of him, I'd rather have him. But just, if it's just losing Jermaine Burton, we're isolating it to that. I don't think that's a death blow. I think we're – I agree. Him personally, it's not a death blow because I, I, I actually think A.D. Mitchell started really becoming a better player. Um, he was making some of those tough catches, especially – I mean, you think back to the national championship game. Um, and even Lad McConkey started coming on. And Burton had also yep. has shown a history of not being healthy. Um, and which, like being out with like – and and not playing with like I, I you know you don't want to you don't know exactly what they're dealing with I I'll say this but like missing time with some I don't want to say questionable injuries but things that other guys play with let's just say that well and then not only that <laughs> but like that. you said in season he was upset with the quarterback choice so like it didn't push him to get back either so mm-hmm. not only that but if he had that type of attitude it is not good for the team overall either. 
So I'm glad you brought up AD Mitchell because here's what I like again. I'll go back to what I said. I think the roster is definitely better if we still have Jermaine Burden. Clearly, 100%. Not arguing that point. But again, I don't think this is a blow that we can't recover from because, as you mentioned with AD, I'm of the opinion. The fact is, well, maybe this is just my opinion. Maybe it's not a fact, but my strong opinion is that with or without Jermaine Burton on the roster next year, A.D. Mitchell is going to be our number one wide receiver. That's going to happen. He was, I, I think he was the number one receiver that we had going down the stretch. We saw him make that catch in the end zone, obviously in that championship game to retake the lead. I think A.D. Mitchell is, go, is on the verge of breaking out as a receiver as much as you can break out within the context of the current style offense that we run. But A.D. Mitchell is going to be our number one receiver next year. I feel pretty confident in saying that. With or without Jermaine Burton. So I'll say that. You mentioned Lab McConkey. Curtis, I'm serious. I'm dead serious about this. How much better is Jermaine Burton than Lab McConkey? Like, dead serious. I really don't know because, I mean, I I get, like, you were talking about Lab McConkey. The fact is, like, what he brings to the table and his shiftiness and, like, especially, like, where they play. I mean, let's be honest. Lad's not an outside player. Um, and I think yeah, that Lad is actually in the better. slot for sure. Yeah, I'd rather have Vlad in the slot. And not only and he that, did play remember, outside he when he was forced because of injuries, and he, he functioned very effectively. The Auburn game, he was playing outside, and I don't want to say he won us that game. He was a big reason, though, why we won that football game. Well, not only that, but you also still have Dominic Blaylock coming back next year mm -hmm. in the slot also. Um, yep. So the Eric, fact is – Eric Gilbert? Well, then that's where I was going next. I mean, you're talking about uh, um, A.D. Mitchell being our guy next year. Well, the fact is, like – Right now, there's reports that Gilbert's, you know, getting closer to actually, like, it may be a, a possibility that he plays. And I don't think even right now. Mitchell – yeah, and I don't think even throwing Mitchell out there, he's – any of those guys are better than Gilbert. Yeah, and, and and I know we're talking about receiver here, but let's, let's also, like, let's bring the guy who's nominally a tight end but really kind of like a receiver himself. Brock Bowers, talking about who's going to be number one guy. He's going to be our number one option in the passing game. I don't, I, well, and, and that's why I don't know. I don't. Here. I don't know if we have a question about it either. Um, but I bringing up transfers. I mean, there's been the floating of Darnell Washington, and he has obviously he hasn't transferred yet. But I know that we're still working on making sure that he stays on the roster at least through spring practice. That remains to be seen, but it's still certainly a possibility. Well, yeah, and like the fact is, like you know, I don't know if anyone asked about it, but the fact is, like I would be, I'd hate to see someone like that go. But can I sit here? And in all honesty, say he is better than what we have with Brock Bowers and that he should take targets away from Brock Bowers. Absolutely not. Who, Darnell? Yeah. Oh, no way, bro. I mean, it, it's – no. Darnell is really good, and I – again, I want – I desperately want Darnell to stay because he brings a lot of value in the, in the blocking game. He can also go out there and catch passes. We do a lot of 12, 13 personnel with him. He's a big part of that. But he's not Brock Bowers as a receiver. That's just – he's just not. He's just not. And, I'm, and the, if that means Darnell's got to go – I mean, it sucks, but you got to feed Brock Bowers. I'm sorry if that you know messes with his NFL draft stock. You know, I, I get, I get. If he transferred, I would get where he's coming from. But I mean, you got to feed Bowers. Arian Smith, Kurt. Now, Arian Smith's a guy also can't stay healthy. But if he, when he, the, the very few times he's been out there on the field, he has made an impact almost every time he's on the field. So if we can find a way for this dude to stay healthy, that helps negate the loss of a guy like Jermaine Burton. So for me, I think we have plenty of options. And at least next year, you're right when you say that, sure, you know, if this becomes a trend and receivers that we get, you know, they keep seeing our offense is not what they want. And they're not being able to put up numbers. They're going to transfer out. Sure. But like just isolate down to losing Jermaine Burton for the 2023 season or I'm sorry, the 2022 season. I 
don't think that's a death blow. Uh, I'd rather have him on the roster. Yeah, but I agree. It, it's, it, like we said, it hurts us, helps them, but it's not a death blow. And on Curtis, honestly, man, like there's no guarantee. And this is not me just kind of trying to crap on Jermaine Burton. I, I, I mean, I, I wish him the best. I, I genuinely do. But there's no guarantee that he's going to be the number one or even the number two wide receiver at Bama next year. No guarantee. Like legitimately, no guarantee. I mean, he, you've got, I think Ajay Hall might end up being the number one guy. You've got Brooks coming back. You've got a couple of options coming in this year, true freshman. I'm sure he'll be in the rotation, but number one, number two guy, I'm I'm not sure I necessarily see that. I mean, he's he'll be in the he'll be in the conversation for that, but he's gonna have to go earn that. And I don't think that's a guarantee. So we'll see how it plays out for him. Uh, that you already touched on this. I'm gonna touch on it real quick. How should we feel about him transferring out to Alabama? Look, I understand why people will be frustrated, and I, I understand why you have a problem with it. Um, people are saying, lack, you know, he was won a national championship. You're going to the enemy, the team that you just beat. Where's the loyalty? I, I get why you'd be upset as a Georgia fan. However, I personally am not upset. I mean, again, I'd rather him. I'm upset because I'd rather have the good player on our roster because he's a good player. But I'm not, like, mad at him. I'm not, like, you know, he's not dead to me like some Georgia fans are saying. And I think what you have to understand, guys, and this is what I would say about it, is players do not view the programs the way that we do as fans. Does that make sense, Curtis? Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot we of these view, kids are Yeah, trained. we view our programs through our hearts, right? It's personal to us, right? It means something to us on a personal, like, visceral level. I'm not saying the programs that these guys go to like don't doesn't mean anything to them. I'm not saying that it, like that's 100% true, but it's far more about the money for them. They view it through the prism of money and NFL future, my career. It's a business decision. We don't view it like that. It's not a business for us. It is part of our identity. For them, it is truly a means to an end. It is what can you do to get me the NFL? If this program program A doesn't give me as good of a chance to get the NFL, get drafted where I want so I can make money earlier, make more money, then I'm going to go to program B, which is exactly what Jermaine Burton has done. And that is exactly how Jermaine Burton is viewing it. So I think if you can look at it from that perspective and just understand that players in in this era don't view the programs the way that we do, then I think you can maybe accept it a little easier. You can swallow it a little easier. And, like, I'm not telling you how to feel. People can feel however they want. I don't speak for the Georgia fans. People are free to feel however they want to feel. Personally, I'm not, like, up in my feelings about it um, on a personal level. I'm not I'm not taking, like, a personal shot at Jermaine Bird. I'm not going to do that because I understand what he's doing Because based off how he looks at our program. Now, I am a diehard fan. It is a massive part of my identity, probably the defining characteristic of my identity, and you know, deep down, you're like, God damn it. I wish these guys would, would just love the program like we do, but it's not reality. It's just not how it works. And you just have to accept that. You just have to come to terms with that. And I have, and it's it, it, the transfer portal era is what the transfer portal era is. So I guess that's kind of how I would leave. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But all right, Curtis, let's move on. I know that the Burton stuff is not a fun conversation, but you mentioned it, Curtis. Kiaris Jackson yesterday did make the announcement that he is indeed returning for his redshirt senior season. So we got a question from Owen. Thank you for the question, Owen, who asked, um, I know that everyone is upset about losing Jermaine Burton, but how big is it to get Kiaris Jackson back for another year? I didn't see this one coming. So, Kurt, how big is it to get a guy like Kiaris Jackson to return? I think it is big. I mean, you got to think – just somewhat, I think last year, especially, he started off the year unhealthy, um, and it kind of snowballed for him. Twenty twenty one. I mean, he was. I don't think he was one hundred percent healthy all year. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. He wasn't very healthy, so it didn't start off how he'd want. And then, um, other guy, it gave other guys a chance to step in. Um, and we were pretty deep at receiver. You know, we weren't Alabama talented, but what we had was a deep core that could go out and get the job done, which is what you saw all year with what we had. Um. But the fact is, I think it's a huge piece. I mean, we've seen that he can be a shutdown – or not a shutdown, sorry. A big-time receiver for us. I mean, for most of the year before, he was our go-to guy until JT really got in there and him and George took off together. He led us in receiving but, uh, for, by one yard in 2020. Yeah, and, you know, so he was our guy um, and has shown that he can kind of be the guy uh, per se. Um so I think it's huge to have him back. I don't. I think it'll be a huge, especially upperclassman piece. We don't really have any upperclassmen in right now in the program at that position. I think it's massive. I really do. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like it's George Pickens coming back. It's not. But I will say I do believe that a truly 100% healthy Kiaris Jackson has a potential to be a game changer for our, our offense. I really believe that. Now, he's not George Pickens. I'm not sitting here saying he is. But – he did lead us in receiving in 2020, started the year off averaging 100 yards a game through the first three games of the year. And yes, that was with Stetsman at quarterback. He is a guy that brings a ton of leadership to our team. He's a fantastic young man who's um, in major leadership positions within the university, within the athletic department. And even just from that perspective, it's massive to get a guy like that back, especially when you're losing some key leaders. I know defensive guys primarily, but you're losing some guys that were leaders on this team. You can look at offense, look at Zeus and James Cook, some guys like that. But I, I think on the field, I think Kiaris Jackson, healthy, could be a big-time player for us. Now, I'm not talking a 1,000-yard guy, but I think he could be potentially coming back our leading receiver next year. I, I think it's probably going to be A.D. Mitchell, but I think Kiaris could certainly be in that conversation. Gilbert, if he's healthy and he's back to being what he can be, then maybe it's Gilbert. I think Kiaris has the potential to be a game-changing type player for us if he's back 100% healthy. Honestly, Curtis – Oh, let me just ask you, who would you rather have on the roster, Kiaris Jackson or Jermaine Burton, if you had to pick one? 
Um, I'd actually go with Burton. I know that sounds crazy to say. Or, I mean, not Burton, Jackson, but it's yeah. because I think that they have very similar skill sets, and I think um, Jackson brings more um, from the upperclassman leader value than what we have from yeah. Burton. And Jermaine might have a higher long-term ceiling, but I would, you mentioned the leadership aspect of things. I would rather have Kiers. I'll mention this as well. I know this is not a sexy thing to talk about when talk about receivers. From a blocking standpoint, it's no contest. Jermaine Burton has zero interest in blocking anybody. Now he got a little bit, a little bit better as the season went on. He improved slightly, but we talked about really the entire first half of the season, Curse, about how we weren't hitting explosive runs. Well, a big part of that was that we were not getting the job done out wide receiver, and Jermaine Burton was a big part of that. Go back and watch some of the early games, guys. Jermaine Burton is just whiffing on people. It's ole blocking, just not even trying to block people. Now, there were times where you can go back and find later in the year where he got better. You can find isolated cases there, but that dude has no interest in blocking. And I know that's not what you want to talk about with receivers, but in our offense, that is a big part of what they do. Um, so Kyrus is better at that. Kyrus also gives us a lot more in the return game as well from a special team standpoint. If you just watch the Green Bay Packers uh, blow a playoff game at home because of special teams, well, you know how important that can be. So, I mean, the first part of the year, Curtis, he wasn't healthy enough to really do anything at receiver, but he was our designated punt returner because they just trusted him out there. Um, now, there were some questionable decisions at times from Kyrus, but he's <laughs> a guy that can give you something on special teams as well. So, yeah, honestly, I, mean, I know people are going to say, oh, you're just being a homer, sour grapes, whatever, it's fine. I, I would rather have Kiers. I, I truly believe that. I would rather have Kiers and Draymond. If I had to pick one, I want them both, but if I had to pick one, I'd rather have Kiers. All right, Kurt, let, we got a, a couple more questions here. Let's keep on going. Um, next up, let's go with a question from Trevor. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate the question. Who would you like to see Kirby target in the transfer portal? Does anyone come to mind, Curtis, or if no one in particular is there a position you want to look at? Um, I think we need to look at uh, outside linebacker and wide. Um, I mean, I would like to look at some wide receivers, um, but I think outside linebackers could be our biggest need. What about DB? Um, that we're corner the maybe the class this year, but they're all young and freshmen. Well, I maybe a corner. I mean, I feel like we're pretty set realistically in the in the back end. Um, I think David David Daniels could be really good back there, and yet you saw Chris Smith, William Poole, Tyke Smith. Tyke um, Smith could potentially get a look at safety as well. Yeah, so we have. I feel like we're pretty set on the back end, as but as much as maybe someone to go opposite Ringo would be a big piece. And I mean, we have a big selling point. I think we really helped shoot Kendrick up the draft charts. Um, in all, in my opinion, I think we just really helped him, and he helped us. I mean, as a mutual, mutually beneficial relationship. But the fact is, like, we can sell that. Yeah, and look, I don't think we should reach. Don't take somebody to take a body. But if you find a guy that can help you, it could be an impact guy in the vein of a Darion Kendrick at cornerback. Yeah, I think you take him. I like the young talent we have at cornerback. I really do. But if you can get a guy that, for whatever reason, is transferring out, then take him. Now, Eli Ricks is a guy coming from LSU that I would have loved to have had. But, of course, he's going to Alabama. So that would be a name that I was – I knew he was going to be transferring, and that's the name I was targeting. But – He's off the board. He's at Bama right now. And honestly, if you look at the transfer portal right now, there's not a ton of impact guys left right now in the portal. Um, so I think you need to play the wait and see game, which it happens. Some guys, you know, they leave at different times for various reasons. Maybe it's after spring practice, you know, whatever it could be. I mean, look, Kendrick, we landed him well after spring practice. JT Daniels a couple years ago landed him well after spring practice. So if a if if an impact guy hits the portal, uh, Gilbert as well, uh, but if an impact guy hits the portal sometime between now and the start of the season, 
at a couple of positions. You mentioned outside linebacker. I think it really obviously helps us to get Robert Beal and, of course, Nolan Smith back there. That's a huge benefit for this 2022 defense. But we have very little quality depth there. We need depth. At the very least, we need depth there. So outside linebacker, I will look for sure. Receiver, again, if you can find an impact receiver, sure, absolutely. Uh, impact impact DB, whether it's a cornerback or a safety, I will look there as well. But outside of that, I don't see like a massive need. Running back, we're set. I mean, I mean that's the thing I need. Like, I mean, hey, if a stud quarterback hit the portal and we actually could land him, I would love it. Like, if we actually could land someone like Caleb Williams, yeah, yeah. bring him in. But um, yeah, if you see an impact guy at any position, sure, bring him in. Yeah, but. That, especially if we don't have someone that's better than him. If you if there's someone out there that's better, um, I, I said bring him in. But like I said, I don't see those as needs. Yeah, totally agree. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Okay, Curtis, let's move on here. Uh, let's talk about some coaching news. So we got a question from Wyatt. He says, I know that we aren't supposed to like losing assistant coaches, especially for lateral moves, but is Cortez Hankton to LSU really that much of a loss? Also, who would be your top choice to replace him? So I'm, as the question reads, guys, if you missed this, Cortez Hankton, our wide receiver coach for the past couple of years, has officially gone to LSU. That's where he's from. He's from the Louisiana area or from that state, somewhere around there. Um, so he's off to Baton Rouge. So we have a vacancy at wide receiver coach. So Curtis, let's start with the first part there. Like losing Hankton, are you losing sleep over that? No, not at all. Um, especially if I had to have one coach like that I was okay with losing, he would be that guy. Um, and then if I had to pick my replacement or his replacement, I'm actually, you know, a name I'm hearing and I'm actually enjoying is Brian McClendon. Um, you know, he played wide receiver. I feel like he did a great job of recruiting back in the day for us when you think of Todd Gurley and all those guys that he helped land. And not only that, but, you know, kind of manage their egos along that line. Um, and he's just a Georgia Roots guy, um, knows the university, knows what he's selling. Been an offensive um, and coordinator. A, yeah, and I think he's a great recruiter. And um, I, I would be happy with that hire. I mean, I don't think we're going to hire – we're not going to go get Brian Hartline, who I think right now, in my opinion, is the best in the business. Um, I, that's a pipe. But the he's fact not, is, he's not going to leave his alma mater for us. That's not happening. Well, and that's what I'm saying. We're not laying to someone like that, um, especially yeah. with our offense and with st- the quarterback situation we have until we go to more pass hoppy offense. You're not going to land a big guy who thinks, oh, I can just bring everyone in here because I, have, yeah. I know. Like, if I, if, if I had to choose between Georgia or Alabama as a wide receiver coach, I'm going to go to Alabama where they're throwing the ball and showing that they can put guys in the pros so it's easier to sell. But we're not there yet. And I, so I think Brian McClendon could be a great bridge to that area if we, you know, commit to the change. Cause I think he's a good recruiter. And the fact is like, he does a great job of connecting to kids. Um, if you look at a lot of these ex Georgia players that played for him, they absolutely love him. And I saw Keith Marshall just recently tweeted um, today, 
you know, that he's hearing something about McClendon coming back and that, that they should make that happen. And it just shows, you know, how these kids, the young men feel about him. Absolutely. Uh, no. So some popular names, former Georgia players, Heinz Ward, Terrence Edwards, no interest there on your part. Um, if I had to choose between one of those two, I'm going to go with um, Heinz Ward. Now, Terrence Edward does a great job of, you know, he uh, trains a lot of these athletes. I mean, he even trained Jermaine Burton. But the fact yeah. is, like, I don't training is different from coaching. So if I had to choose between one of them, I'm going to go Heinz because he has had he's gotten some coaching experience lately. He does coach at the high um, school level, pace I believe, but no, no college experience. Yeah, but it, it's yeah, it's a completely different yeah. college uh, or. Um, experience so and Heinz at least is I mean I think it was the FAU one FAU. year and then yeah. so, so I, I may have been somewhere else I can't. NFL for a year I believe and then went to FAU yeah so I mean he's at least gotten more of what the commitment is in college yeah look I I get why Georgia fans obviously you want to bring guys like that home they have a special place in our heart of course and I understand like Heinz Ward hey you can go into a living room hey I'm Heinz freaking Ward man that's gonna that's gonna instantly open up eyes and and get you in living rooms and and draw some interest. Of course, Terrence Edwards, same thing. Only thousand yard receiver in Georgia history. We he know mentioned Ohio that. State. Heartline was his alma mater, so I mean it helps, especially if they were good. But the you know they have to be able to willing to do it and live yeah. that grind because Kirby Smart's I mean, nothing against Mark yeah. Rick, but Kirby Smart's a completely different animal when it comes to recruiting too. Yeah, that's that's my thing. Is like, do I think Heinz Ward and Terrence Edwards know how to teach? The receiver position? Do they know the technique in the receiver position? Obviously, of course they do. Terrence Edwards, as you said, Curtis, has his own training facility, his own training business. So I have zero doubts about them from a coaching standpoint, but you're right. College coaching is about the lifestyle. It's the grind. You're putting in 18 hours a day, 12 months out of the year, man. And you're you're chasing down, you know, high school age kids, you're pampering them. Like are you willing to do that? Are you willing to grind at the level that Kirby Smart is going to demand of you? And if they are, awesome. Sign up, sign me up, and, and let's bring them in. But you don't know that. And they also have no – none of them have – neither of them have any experience at this level doing that kind of thing. So I'm going to go back to what you said, Chris. I, I'm in agreement. I would not be upset if it was Heinz Ward. I would not be upset if it was Terrence Edwards. I would welcome that. But if I had to choose – Because I, well, here's I'm the thing. If Kirby hired them, that – Especially because if Kirby hired them, that means he knows they're willing to do what needs to be done. But um, if I had to have a choice of someone who's got the background in it, um, I would go with BMAC. Yeah, that's my thing. Too. To me, BMAC is the best combination of experience, coaching. He played the position as well, and recruiting prowess. He's a big-time recruiter. He's also got offensive coordinator experience. It didn't work super well at South Carolina. They just never really had answers at quarterback. He wasn't working with a, a ton of great weapons there. Um, but he has that experience. He's been an interim head coach. I mean, to me, like may, I would say maybe Heinz Warren, Terrence Edwards potentially have a higher ceiling than BMAC, but BMAC clearly has a much higher floor than either of those guys. And he's proven it at this level and just done it consistently. So I, I would certainly welcome that. I, I, I kind of found that a curious thing because there were always those rumors you know, when Curry first for the job that there was some sort of tension between him and BMAC. Maybe well, even if there was, I think that they're, they're grown. He wants to win. He doesn't care. They- yeah, well, and like even Brian McClendon, I, I mean, not only that, but, you know, I believe he played for Coach Rick. So he has some extra ties, and so it probably were some hurt feelings to start. Yeah. Um, so not only had you lost a lot of battles to Kirby, but he was coming in taking, like, yeah. the, your mentor's job. So, I mean, and that Kirby's, was a hard position. really been very welcoming to Mark Rick and bringing him back into the program and honoring him and that kind of thing. So I think that certainly helps that. You're right. Good call, good call. Yeah, right. you didn't know how it was going to be right away, yeah. 
Yeah, you didn't know. All right, one more question about coaching stuff here, Curtis. This is from Anthony. Appreciate it, man. He says, what do you make of Kirby bringing Mike Bobo back on the Georgia staff? Is it really the best thing to just pack the staff with Kirby's old college buddies instead of the best and brightest minds out there? Kerr, how do you feel about Bobo? And I don't know if this has been like officially, officially confirmed, but there are strong rumors out there. I, I've been telling you guys for weeks now, a couple months now, that like it was going to happen. And I, I had it on pretty good authority, but it looks like it's leaking out now. But I don't know if it's official, but it's going to happen. So how do you feel about that, Kurt? Um, the biggest and brightest minds sit here and tell me someone from a quarterback perspective, that is a better person to bring in as an analyst that's willing to do it. Um, Especially for this university. Yeah. I mean, Mike Bobo, I think he's a little antiquated when it comes to his offensive schemes, but I still sit here and say that I think he's one heck of a quarterback coach. I mean, Bo Nix, I felt like was actually pretty good this year um, compared to how he he had improved. Very, yeah, very he was good. definitely improved, and I think a lot of that had to do with Mike Bobo. Um, the guy is a great quarterback coach, and not only that, but he's a heck of a recruiter. Big time um, recruiter. Never got enough credit for that. Never. Recruiter. I mean, and, and like you're over here talking about filling it with college friends. Okay, the Will Muschamp hire, look how that worked out for us. Thankfully, we had him on staff. He could step in when Scott Cochran had his issue. And then not only that, but not only did he step in, but he contributed a lot to this team. Um, so I think that's a and I, so I think that's a little bit of a disrespectful tone when you think, uh, you know, or mindset in just my opinion, because they, they bring so much to the team. And as you saw, like you said, now must champs to Cody C. Um, and if Kirby didn't trust him, Kirby's not someone who's going to put his, I mean, yeah, friendships are important to him, but he also knows like you can't, friendships can't be everything. Cause if it doesn't work out and you have to fire him, like that's a that's gonna could affect the friendship. So he, I don't sure. think he'd even put the friendship in trouble if he didn't think it would work out. Um, and so I, I believe Mike Bobo. Exactly. So I think Mike Bobo is an analyst. If that does indeed become fruitful, I think it was absolutely a great thing. The guy can recruit. I mean, Aaron Murray, Matthew Stafford, his history of quarterback recruiting and the way he develops it, and just what he could do to the position to help them. Even Stetson, or I mean, I think Brock Vandergrift, Gunnar Stockton, those two especially would benefit from him being in there. So here's my thing with Mike Bobo. I've never really understood the Mike Bobo hate. I'm not going to sit here and try to sell you that Mike Bobo is the greatest coach, the greatest offensive coordinator in the history of the world, and then we should get, get down on our knees and bow before him. That's not what I'm trying to sell you on. But I will tell you, I have a lot of respect for Mike Bobo. And I think Mike Bobo, honestly... This is me here. You might very well disagree. I know a lot of people do. I think Mike Bobo did a hell of a job as our offensive coordinator here in Athens. Now, he had to learn on the job. Yeah, he got the job as a young guy, and he wasn't a great offensive coordinator right out of the gate, but he grew into that job and grew into that role. And I think by the time he got to his latter years here in Athens as our offensive coordinator under Mark Rick, I think he was flat out awesome. I think he was one of the better coordinators in the country his last couple of years here before he took that head coaching job in Colorado because he saw a sinking ship. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. So that was a little bit before like this hardcore offensive revolution that we've had across the country over the past couple of years. But you were starting to see the beginnings of that. And yeah, Mike Bobo is, I, I would still call him a pro-style offensive coordinator. I mean, heck, at Auburn last year, they were using the fullback at times. They were legitimately using an actual fullback. They were running I-formation, not a lot, but there were times they were running I-formation, which you just simply do not see 
really anywhere across the country. Maybe you could say Wisconsin at times, but you really rarely see like a true legit fullback. I mean, that harkens back to the days of yesteryear. But Mike Bobo is doing a little bit of that at Auburn. So there's still an element of that within what he does offensively. But he has, I think, done a really good job of merging like old school throwback, downhill, physical, run game type offensive football with the modern spread principles. I think he does a good job with that. I think he was limited last year at Auburn with what he had to work with. He had a below average wide receiver room to work with. You guys know how I feel about Bo Nix, Curse. I think you're exactly right in saying that even though Bo Nix was still not great last year, that was the best version of Bo Nix that we've seen, especially after the the benching against Georgia State. He came back and he was the best version of himself during his three years at Auburn. Wasn't you know great relative to the other quarterbacks in the country, but Bobo, I think, got the best out of out of Bo Nix that we've seen. But I want to go back to his last couple of years here in Athens as our offensive coordinator. Just look at the production, guys. Those are literally statistically the best offenses in Georgia history. Now, obviously, relative to the rest of the country, where you got teams go throwing for 400 plus yards a game, 500, 600 yards of offense average per game. Relatively speaking, that doesn't hold up to that. But in terms of what we've done here at the University of Georgia. Now, we haven't been known for explosive offenses. That's fair to say. But he produced the best offenses in Georgia history. And look at the numbers here. I mean, number one nationally, number one in America in yards per play in 2012. Number 13 in yards per play in 2013. Number seven in yards per play in 2014. Go back to 2013. We would have been higher than that if our entire offense, all the key players on offense, didn't die. I mean, literally in the middle of the season, they all just died, right? Remember all the injuries and then we capped it off at the end of the year against Kentucky. Aaron Murray goes down. It's just to cap off this season where we had the makings coming off that 2012 heartbreak in the SEC Championship game. Had the makings of being a contender for the national championship. And then we lost a game early uh, to Clemson, but we came back and, and we were rolling. We were rolling, man. We, were, we beat South Carolina, beat LSU at home, two epic games at home. Crowd was into, it was awesome. And then the injuries happened and yeah, you know, you lose at Vanderbilt. It sucks. But still, I mean, considering all the injuries to be top 15 nationally, I mean, that's doing work, man. That's doing work. And then to follow up in 2014, with another top 10 finish in yards per play. And I use yards per play because I think that's a far better measure of how you perform from an efficiency standpoint offense than just yards per game because it kind of takes out the the number of plays you run. Some teams are up-tempo, you run a lot of plays, some teams not so much. But in 2014, and let me remind you as a quarterback in 2014, Hudson Mason, top 10 offense nationally, yards per play, with Hudson freaking Mason as our starting quarterback. So with things like that, when you look at the production, especially those last couple years, I think what happened is early in his career as offense coordinator, people made up their minds about Bobo and they just, you know, are stubborn about that and, and slow to change those opinions. But the last couple years, the production was there, guys. The production was absolutely there. It was good enough to parlay it into a head coaching job. Now, Colorado State's not a, a big-time head coaching job, but it's a head coaching job nonetheless. And I know he flamed out there. Um, that's a tough job. You know, the, he didn't find the quarterback he needed there. And, he, and then late in his career as, as a coach at or his tenure at Colorado State, he had uh, the nerve injury he was dealing with, which really set him back. And then it was just tough. And it didn't work out as a head coach, but that doesn't mean that he hasn't been a good coordinator. It doesn't mean he hasn't been a good position coach, as Curtis was saying with, with um, his, his prowess as a quarterback coach. Doesn't mean any of that. So I don't understand the Mike Bobo hate. I, I just don't get it. I just simply, I've never gotten I've never quite understood that. And let's also add this in there. That dude was straight up, I'm telling you guys, I have, I, I just trust me on this. 
That dude was the glue holding this program together in the latter Mark Rick years. I mean, holding this program together. His departure to Colorado State, and then of course, you know, it's not just that, but then also on top of that, the subsequent misguided hire, very misguided hire, nice thing I can say about that, of Brian Schottenheimer as our OC. Those are the final nails in the Mark Rick coffin. Bobo was incredibly valuable to our program there throughout really the Mark Rick tenure. So never understood that. I think he's a great coach and I'm very excited to have him back on our staff in some capacity. And having Mike Bobo as an offensive analyst, that's just cheating, man. That's stealing. That guy is an SEC caliber offensive coordinator and you have him on your staff as an analyst? I mean, come on. I mean, why Why on earth would you not want that? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just, I don't understand. What's the downside there? What is the downside of having that guy on staff? I don't see it. I just don't understand what the downside of having him in there with his experience, his expertise, offering advice to Kirby Smart. Because that's what he's doing as an offensive analyst. He's watching film, looking at tendencies, offering advice to, to Kirby, to the offensive staff, being able to watch his son at practice. I mean, what is the downside? I just simply don't understand that. So, and, and, and look, if something happens, I, I mean, God forbid something happens there, but if there's a, an issue with the coach or somebody leaves or whatever, you know, leaves us in a bad spot, then yeah, you've got Bobo there to potentially slide in if he wants. But I think it's good for the guy because he's still not 100% healthy coming off the nerve injuries. Take some time off, get healthy, watch his son play, be involved with the program that he loves, help out his buddy, be around the program. I mean, it's just it's a no-brainer. I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't want that. And I'll say this too. Like, I know I know we're not hiring him as the offensive coordinator right now, and I don't have any inside information on whether like he might be a future coordinator or something. I mean, I'm sure he would be considered, but I don't know if that's the route Kirby would go. But I can say this. Like, I, I'm not saying anything is imminent. Don't take it and run with that and say, Tyler said this is imminent. I'm not saying that. But I have been told that Todd Munkin, I, I, from a couple of different sources, that Todd Munkin... Um, Let's just say he, there's a very good chance that he won't be our offensive coordinator in 2022. And in fact, right now, I would lean towards saying, based off what I've heard and what I've been told, I don't really expect him to be our coordinator. Again, I can't say anything's imminent. I'm not saying he's going to accept a job tomorrow or whatever, but he's looking, he's open to the idea of returning the NFL. In fact, I think that's his preference. I mean, guys, as we were talking about earlier, the college life is a grind, man. It is a grind, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. You're always on. You don't stop. The lifestyle for NFL coaches is just, it's just easier. I mean, it's not an easy job, but you don't have the demands on your time really across the entire calendar the way that you do at the college level. And at this stage in his life, I mean, the NFL is more appealing. If he, and I think if he can parlay that into an NFL offense coordinator job, I think, and I, I know there's a very strong likelihood that he would ultimately accept that job. And having Bobo on staff right now in that role, there is the potential for him rolling into that offensive coordinator job. Now, again, I'm not saying that's where Kirby would go. Maybe, and maybe Bobo doesn't even want that. I don't know. I have a hard time thinking he wouldn't want that. Um, but I don't know if that's the direction Kirby will go. Maybe he has a different idea. Maybe he wants someone that is more open and, and not as much pro style. Now, judging on Kirby's past history, he seems to like that that marriage of pro style and, and modern spread stuff and kind of merging them together. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if if Munkin does end up taking an NFL job here at some point, you got Bobo there. You got Bobo there. I mean, I think we could do a lot worse. Potentially, we could do better. I, I'm open to that possibility. I'm not saying that he'd be the absolutely hands down best person for the job, but we sure could do a lot worse. Just saying.
But all right, Curtis, last question. We'll get you out of here on this one, man. All right, this is from Drew. This is a recruiting question. He asked, will Georgia end up signing running back Jordan James? It looks like he's wavering. What do we do at running back if he does decommit? Kurt, what's your take on that? Um, I think we don't ultimately sign him. Um, I think one big thing is, is like we don't have to have him right now. Um, I know you don't want to say that because a lot of people get injured and things happen. Um, he's not a uh, – you know, we don't have to have him. And even then, I don't – I think they're – like we said, the tra- watch the transfer portal. I mean, you look at Tank Bigsby and some of these people, like – they have coaching changes, offensive scheme changes, and then they're going to go in there and have to see what they have. And you might see some kids bounce after spring practice if they don't like the changes that have been made. I'm going to give you a name. Okay. Andrew Paul. Have you heard this name? I believe that's someone we just offered from Texas. Yep, we did. We just offered him this week, earlier this week, which would have been a sign that we are no longer going to be expecting to sign Jordan James, whether that's a mutual thing and our thing or his thing, whatever. I think he might have been Oregon. Um, Andrew Paul, I'd never heard the guy in my life until I saw that we offered him. I looked up his tape. Curtis, and I know, again, people are going to say, are you just being a homer? You're just being sour grapes. No, I'm dead freaking serious, guys. Go watch Jordan James's tape. Go watch Andrew Paul's tape. Tell me who you like better. Seriously, tell me who you like better. Andrew Paul is... I, he's a three-star prospect. He's like ranked number 500. He's one of those. I have no idea how this guy is only ranked in the 500 range or wherever he is, a three-star prospect. This guy is legit. He's just one of those random guys. Happens every year. These guys just fall through the cracks. Maybe it's coming out of COVID. I don't know. This guy can freaking play, man. He's got great patience. He's got good explosive ability. He moves really well in the hole. He's got the ability to break tackles. He runs with power. He can get skinny. He's good in a short area. I don't understand how he's ranked where he's ranked. 5'11", 220. Even if Jordan James wants to come to Georgia, I don't care. Tell him no. Take Andrew Paul. And apparently we are going in home with him. I think Del McGee is going in home on Thursday. And we are trying to lock in a last second official visit this last weekend before signing day. So uh, we're fighting off Clemson, which is considered a favorite. It looks like they're kind of fading now. Oregon's was involved there. Michigan's involved. So he has a good offer list late. We're trying to get in it, and I don't know if we'll land him, but I want him. I want him. Just watch that name. Watch the tape, guys. Watch the tape there. But, all right, Curtis. I know you got to get out of here, man. So that does it for us today here on the Glory UJ podcast. Of course, as always, guys, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day. We know you got a lot of options out there. We appreciate you listening to our podcast and supporting us really all throughout the season and into the off season. So thank you for that. For Curtis, I'm Tyler, and of course, as always, go dogs. <laughs>